Hello, this is Kerwin and Keith of Fathers and Galaxy. Our guest is Disney Imagineer Lanny Smith. Lanny has spent 45 years as a theatrical technology creator, inventor, electrical engineer, scientist, and researcher, with 25 of those years at the Walt Disney Company. Lanny has invented and patented many forward-looking technologies that allow the Walt Disney Company and, ultimately, the theatrical community at large to create new magic, illusions, and entertainment. With over 100 patents to his name, he is Disney's most prolific inventor. His work can be seen throughout Disney's theme parks, resorts, and cruise ships worldwide. Lanny is the recipient of many awards and honors, including three Theo Awards from the Theme and Entertainment Associations and was named a 2020 TEA Master. Lanny will be inducted into the Inventors Hall of Fame in the class of 2024, only the second person from the Walt Disney Company to achieve this honor, the first being Walt Disney himself. Lanny is currently featured as part of the exhibit Breaking Barriers, Honoring Extraordinary Black Inventors at the National Inventors Hall of Fame Museum located in the United States Patent and Trademark Office in Alexandria, Virginia. Lanny Smoot, welcome to Fatherson Galaxy. Well, thank you for having me. This is an amazing opportunity. And when I saw your show, I just said I had to be on it. You guys are thank great. You. Thank you so much and congratulations on your induction. Oh, thank you so much. I I was very pleased, shall I say, when I learned that I was being inducted. So it's been a it's been a, a whirlwind of excitement for me. Yes, thank you. So you said before that curiosity drives invention. When did that curiosity begin for you? Oh my goodness, uh, just about as early as I can remember. And as a story, which is as pivotal in my life, um, you are father and son. I had a father that. Uh, was an inventor himself, of course, without being paid, without patents, without inventions, but he would make things around the house and make things for us to wear, uh, make our lives easier. And uh, one day he brings home a battery, bell, some wire, light, light bulb, and he got that bell to ring and he got the light bulb to light and it changed my entire life. It lit the way for my entire life and curiosity. And I fell in love with electricity, electronics, um, anything along those lines, and ultimately all kinds of science and physics and things. But the electricity and electronics was my start. So you graduated from Columbia University with a bachelor's and master's degree in electrical engineering. Tell us about your educational experience and the challenges you encountered being one of the few black students in the field. Well, you know, I'm going to I'm going to pop a little surprise here. I don't know if Columbia has announced it, but I'm going to be the keynote speaker for their graduating class um, coming up this, this summer. So. Wow. So, yeah, I guess they missed me. So <laughs> to come back. That's breaking news. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, that, is, that is breaking news and Columbia wow. will probably break me. So don't have too big a circulation. But anyway, I think I've, I've just committed to it recently for a while. They were courting me and I finally said yes. So I will be there in New York. Um, Columbia was great for me. Um, the story that goes with it is that I had wanted to go to Columbia University. MIT to all of the places that everyone who aspires to be an engineer would like to be uh, to go. But I had no money to go to any of them. And I got into any all of them. I got into MIT, to Columbia, to Rensselaer, to a bunch of different schools, but I didn't have money. I grew up in Brownsville, New York, which is Br Brownsville, Brooklyn, which is still kind of a 
a rough neighborhood and didn't have a lot of role models, et cetera. But um, I wound up getting a scholarship to Columbia through uh, Bell Labs, right? Um, I kind of lost track of the question. What was Columbia like? Columbia to me was great in one sense. It was my local college. A lot of people don't know where Columbia University is. It's in New York City, right? Mm -hmm. And so I grew up in New York City, so it was like my local school. I did have a camp uh, room on campus, but I had the entire city as my familiarity. It's where I lived, right? Um, there weren't many Black engineers or engineering students at Columbia, and as a result, I was blessed because several of my, I went to Brooklyn Tech, uh, which is a, a technical high school in Brooklyn, New York. In fact, I would argue it is the premier high school in the nation turning out young engineers. And I had several friends from uh, Brooklyn Tech manipulated and then just went at uh, Columbia. So um, I had a, a group of friends, I'll, I'll name some in case they're listening, is uh, Gary Foster, uh, Doug Rowe. Doug Rowe passed, by the way, so I'm still saying like he's present. And it, and it reminds you that time isn't promised to you, um, you know, in life. Uh, Sam Scipio, uh, retired now, used to work for Ford and was their engineer for um, a number of the car models. Um, so I had a number of, of African-American friends that I could always, I was always familiar with became, because they came from the same sorts of backgrounds. None of them were born with silver spoons in their mouths and that sort of thing, so I could relate to that. Um, and because Columbia was, again, familiar to me, I knew where all the stores were, I knew where all the hangouts were that you are gonna definitely out uh, the sun there when you go to college, and uh, it was a ball. Just as a side note, is what a coincidence. Um, mm -hmm. My parents immigrated from Barbados, and we live, well, they still live, actually, in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. So I'm very yeah. familiar with Brownsville. Oh, I'm yeah, Brownsville that. is, yeah, Brownsville. Yeah. For a little while, also lived in Crown Heights, which is also yeah. a little closer to Bed-Stuy. New York, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so East New York, all East New York. So, yeah. 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 You know, it's a small world. Um, as I move around in the world. I met other people who went to Columbia, some of the executives of our company, um, and maybe a few that have gone to Brooklyn Tech over my, certainly over my lifetime. I'll get into a conversation. We start talking about where were you born and where we got, and then it's all of a sudden, did you go to, and then those kids that went to Stuyvesant to com competitive garbage, terrible. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, Brooklyn Tech and either. You're kidding, are, right? Unless you went to Stuyvesant, then all no. of a sudden, interview over, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know those two high schools are the top of the line in New York City. So, you know, yeah. those are the, the specialized schools that, you know, most kids wanted to get into. So, congratulations. Let me, do a, let me yeah. do a little bit of bragging. Okay. Note speaker at Brooklyn Tech's uh, commencement uh, last year, right? And I got to confess something there, tech knows this. Um, I got a call from the Alumni Association at Brooklyn Tech, which quite frankly, I never kept up with, but I had just broken the record of uh, having a hundred patents at that time. So I got a little um, spurt of publicity. I, by the way, I have 106 now, so I've been trying to keep going, you know, <laughs> but um, <laughs> new breaking news, right? And um, 
Oh goodness, I left my lost my train of thought. How about how did that happen? Um, but oh, so um, I was invited to come to Tech, and it's a high school. Even though it's a great high school, I live in California. That's Brooklyn. And I said, well, you know, aren't there some local folks that you want? No, we want you. It's, and I, I said, well, high school, come on. And it, the principal got on the phone. He said, you're coming, right? Aren't you? I said, well, I don't know. He said, you know who last year's speaker was? I said, no, I don't. He says, uh, President Bill Clinton. Now, <laughs> if you can't make it out, okay, <laughs> you know, he made it and you didn't make it. So after I heard that, I packed my bags and went to New York and gave the commencement address, which was in the um, the home stadium of the Nets. It's the largest um, a group of people I'd ever spoke to, 5,000 people in attendance because uh, Tech graduates about 1,500 students. It's a huge school. And with the parents and everyone else, they filled the arena. And um, first time I've had slides up on a jumbotron. I may not make it in basketball, but I've made it to the head of the, you know, to made it, made it to stadium fame. Mr. Smoot, what was the first invention that you patented? First invention was a thing that allowed coin telephones to work in rural areas where there were no coin telephones. They as you probably know, every telephone needs a pair of wires that send signals on the on those lines. And actually, coin telephones are more complicated than regular home telephones, and as a result, need more wires. And when telephone companies underestimate the number of wires they're going to need to dig into the ground to service a community, then there are no more phones unless the, the telephone company digs up the street again, which is usually extremely expensive. So. I worked with systems that are called, that now we get technical, they're called subscriber loop carriers. What it means, a loop is a pair of wires and being able to get more calls on a pair of wires by using different frequencies, sort of like AM radio. You have a bunch of channels on the same wires. And as a result, you can have more coin telephones. So I made systems that made those possible. And the, the, Thing that was sort of cool about it is a lot of the neighborhoods that had run out of cable were people who were poor or people where they just made mistakes and didn't run wires in. So a lot of those that initial invention allowed people in rural areas and in parts of the country where they just didn't lay, lay down enough cable, they could now have coin telephones and coin telephones. Uh, I won't know. I don't know if, if uh, Keith will ever know this, but they're gone and replaced by cell phones. But every time that you were out in the street, you had to put a dime or a quarter later on into a telephone to make a call. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> yeah, that's something yeah. That's gone. Yeah. Long gone. Yeah. 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 What else you got, Keith? So, oh. how were you recruited by Disney to become an Imagineer? Oh my God, it's a, it's a crazy story. I had already uh, become quite ses successful. I was an executive director at uh, Bell Communications Research. I had invented a bunch of stuff. I was their patent leader, which actually is, is um, in some sense quite an honor because everyone there was an engineer and inventor. So I had more patents than them. Anyway, um, I invented a thing called the electronic panning camera. 
And the idea was, I thought everyone would love to be at home with a kind of a joystick and watch whatever they wanted to do to see on their televisions, right? Pan around, look up and down. And I designed equipment that could do that. I was showing it off at the National Association of Broadcasters. That's a big conference in um, Las Vegas. It happens every year to show off new stuff. I'm there. And a guy walks up to me and I had, um, uh, I told the folks in my lab to, you know, be doing interesting things during the day. So they're making stuff up. Oh, look, I've got stuff. Okay. And they're being filmed there. And I had monitors, TV screens with touch screens so you could slide the view to look at the left side of my lab or the right side of my lab. And all good. Guy walks up to me and he says, hey, my company would like to license this technology. I said, oh, okay, what are you going to do with it? My wonderful invention. It sounds so good. What, what are you going to do? He says, well, we're going to put a bunch of animals down in a pit, and we're going to put your camera down there and look at them. I said, what kind of, that sounds very cruel. Why would a company want to do that to animals? He said, I said, what company are you from? He says, I'm from the Walt Disney Company. Hmm. And I thought Walt Disney was a nice company that treated <laughs> animals well and people well and make people like, what? So what I learned as I joined the company is there are certain things that you tell people you're doing that sort of give them the idea, but don't release what you're really going to do with it. And what it was for was for Animal Kingdom, where you have animals out in the savanna. Uh, they're more or less free, and usually um, tour buses drive through to see the animals, but they wanted to have that remote uh, place where people who didn't go into the vehicles could look at the animals. So. Long story short, they they did license the technology. They did a bunch of cool things with it. But a few months later, they came after me and said, listen, we would love you to join the Walt Disney Company. So I never, I didn't petition to work here. I was actually recruited to, to work here. And they made me some offers, as they, as they say in those movies, that were like attractive. I said, okay, sounds good. I'm not doing bad at, badly at uh, my old company. But I liked the variability, the variation, the wide uh, spread of things that you do here. If I worked at, let's say, uh, Bell, there's certainly going to be telecommunications involved, right? <laughs> you are going to make something that makes telephones work or video conferencing work. And I've done enough of that. And here, I can wake up in the morning start thinking about, you know, something that would be good to be working to work on on a cruise ship. I can, you know, think about things that go into the parks. I can even think of things that can help us make movies better. So the variety is what attracted me. And starting this whole thing, you said, asked if I am curious. I am eternally curious. I'm as curious as now as I was as a kid. I always wanted to do things that other people may not have done yet. I wanted to be the first in doing stuff. And to, to, to solve my curiosity, I make the thing that I'm curious about. What are some of the adventures you created for Disney Research and Development? Well, one of my favorites is uh, the lightsaber. The most famous lightsaber, the fully extending, super bright lightsaber that you know people love to see. That's my invention. Right. I've also done, done a lightsaber in a lightsaber training academy at what used to be the Star Cruiser, 
where a completely different saber and completely different technology allowed uh, people to fend off laser blasts, uh, just as you see in the Star Wars movies. So um, then I did a lightsaber. It's also, it's all these were three different patented ideas with different technologies behind them. But we had for a little while um, a pre-Star Wars area. Um, it was called the Launch Bay at Disneyland, at Disney World, and at um, another Disney park. And I made the lightsabers for them that had that glow around them. If you watch, if you watch the, the uh, movies, you see a glow that surrounds the blade. Okay, try that in real life. It isn't that easy, right? I always say that I'm I'm jealous for my special effects brethren and sisterin that are that are in the special effects business in the movies because for them it's just another computer you know thing that you can do to add these these little details in real life I have to create a real glow around the lightsaber and I've done it so I I heard that Keith you are a Star Wars lover this is uh, one of the Infinity figures. And I have it still on my desk because every one of the ones that have the lightsaber that lights up are my design, not the, not the look. I'm not very good at the look, but the technology that gets and takes the energy from the base is something that I did. And Keith, are you old enough to, to have had an Infinity toy set? Um, when, when was that around? Oh, too long ago, <laughs> about 10 years ago, I would imagine. About no, right, probably not. I'm 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't Maybe, think eight years ago. Yeah, I don't think we've ever. No, had... I would have been around then. Yeah, like 2015 ish. Okay. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. 2015, 2014. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we have anything like that in your toy collection, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, wow. Oh, That's too bad. Yeah. Well, I, I still have to, we, we no longer sell them. That was one of those things that was amazingly successful and then sort of time to move on. And um, towards the end of there, they, they didn't have any light up figures, but I made them light up. So I'll have yeah. to get one on eBay. Maybe on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> Hurt. <laughs> wow. In the chest. Ah. That's, so, yeah, that's true. You can buy them on eBay. On eBay. I, you know, I sometimes go into like little junk shops just to see if there's some little gadget or something I'd be interested in. That's when, that's when I see the infinity figures. So yeah, yeah eBay is about right. So your lightsabers, are they only available at the theme parks? Can you get them online or is that? So two of them, the, the, the hero, as you would call it, lightsaber, can only be wielded or would be wielded by a cast member in unif you know, in costume. I see. Uh, okay. And so those aren't for sale. And they're they're amazingly bright. They're amazingly good. You, those we don't sell, right? I see. Okay. The ones, the ones that you would uh learn the um art of battling lights, battling uh lightning blasts or laser blasts. Those were used in the training uh, part of the Star Cruiser, which is a big, it's a starship, Star Cruiser uh, attraction. And so those don't exist anymore in that facility, but they'll be in the parks at other places, I'm pretty sure, right? Because I don't think we get rid of lightsabers. Uh, the third one was done for a specific attraction. Now, I am 
this is this is news, right? Frank, excuse me over here. Uh, we are going to try to come up with a consumer grade lightsaber that would be very good. Um, yeah. Something I'm interested in. It's not guaranteed. Can't promise it from the company, but it's something that interests me. Most of my lightsabers are one of a kind and very, very special in what they do. Yeah. yeah. I, I, no, a yeah. number of a kind, but not not in the millions. Yeah. Hmm? We, we've been through our share of lightsabers, but I don't know if there is any one of them that really stood out for us. You know, but it sounds like what you're creating, what you have created, would definitely be something that would just, you know, sell off the shelves. I think people here might have realized that. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I shouldn't, yeah. I shouldn't even say it's coming because I don't know. But I'm interested in it personally to work on a. So are we. More people. Yeah. 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 Good. That would be fantastic. I and mean, then, I'm here to help. Well, and I'm <laughs> question my partner does yeah. it make this the whoosh sound when you're oh, moving yeah. around it oh does. yeah oh wow oh, yeah. does it have like tip drag and the laser deflections that that is one of the lightsabers that are in the star cruise you actually feel like you're hitting a a, a laser blast from a training remote that's trying to you know damage you and you can actually realize that you have the force because before you have the force and are just swinging around trying to do it, who could be fast enough to, to ward off lightsaber blast or laser blast? Believe me, at the Star Cruiser, you were taught how to use the force and some technology and you will be able to do it. So there you go. I love it. Yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> Please keep us posted. You know, right. I know no guarantees, no promises, but let us know. Yeah, I get fired if I do that. Well, not really. I shouldn't say that. Frank is over there. Be good, Lanny. You're working. Stop that. So how did you hear the news that you were going to be inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame? Uh, Kerwin, it was so exciting to me. And what happened was, and this is, this is, I'll never forget the day. I was having a, literally a bad day. Um, it was a day that I was off and I was doing, I was trying to park uh, at a parking place, but someone cut me off. It was just like one of those days, it was horrible, right? And just as I'm at the most horrible peak, eh, my phone rings. Okay, now what, right? Okay. And I look at the number, I don't know it. And I said, okay, it's got to be some, you know, sales thing or something. I say, hello. And I had the really ugly voice on, you know, the one, right? Like, yeah, who's this? Yeah. Oh, hi. This is Dr. So-and-so from the uh, National Inventors Hall of Fame. My whole tone changed. Voice, much better. Oh, really happy to hear from you. How, how, are, how are you? How, how are things at the National Inventors Hall of Fame? Well, I'm just calling to tell you that you're going to be inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame. And um, you'll receive a package of uh, information. And by that time, I'm like, I'm just saying, wah, 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 wah. I got it. <laughs> National inventors, right? And uh, sure enough, I uh, it, it changed my whole <laughs> outlook on on a bunch of things. I said, "This is really great." Um, so it was a surprise. Um, I, you know, you never know what's going to happen, and it was great for me. And you are the first Disney Imagineer to be inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame. 
Yeah. How does it feel to know that you're just the second person from the Walt Disney Company to receive this honor after Walt Disney? Well, at my acceptance speech, I said something was quite true. Um, when I learned that I was going to be inducted, of course, I was super happy, right? And I believed that I was the only person from this company that's ever done it. I was talking to someone in media. It might have might have been Frank, but someone said, no, Lanny, there's someone else that uh, has already received the reward, the award, the honor. And I was like, I tried to think they're very, very capable people here and they have a lot of patents. And I'm thinking, oh, who is this? And and, and to me, my ego was hurt a little bit because I thought I was a first. And then someone says, oh, uh, I said, who was the first? It's Walter Elias Disney. I've told people it was an emotional moment for me. And I am not, I, I wouldn't say that I'm that kind of person. I just, you know, choked a little. And um, I think it's, it's both now an honor and a responsibility, right? Because, you know, look at, look at who preceded me. Come on. Are you kidding me? The other thing that I learned about the NIHF, which I can say now, National Inventors Hall of Fame, is that one of their missions is something that I like to do, which is what I'm doing right now, is to have young people, especially people of color who have not seen engineers do this type of thing in the past. And, you know, I show off a little bit to show others that they can do the same thing as I've done. So there you go. Wonderful. <clears throat> Can you tell us your vision for the future of Disney Imagineering? And what are some of your plans to improve the theme parks and other Disney properties in the next few years? Wow, what a great question. I think the parks are gonna become more personal for each of the folks who go there, more interactive. So instead of you know 50 or 100 people getting onto a ride, take, having the same experience, I think you'll have more experiential things like where you are the center of attraction, you are, in the Star Wars world, Wars world, you are in a Marvel character's capable, you know, have Marvel cable, a Marvel character's capabilities. You are the person who is centered to your story and to and to the excitement. So I think you're going to see more interactivity. And I've started a lot of things with interactive play floors, interactive gaming systems uh, for kids' games, and just all sorts of things that a single person can have fun because they're in a new world. And you may have heard that I've invented something that's really gonna help with that. And that's the um, hollow tile floor. And it is a floor surface that allows any number of people to walk in any direction on it without hitting and bumping into each other, without straying off the floor. And it would be, I think, perfect for virtual reality because right now, you can put on VR goggles, you can walk around a bit, but if you if you walk around too much and you're at home, you trip over your uh, your couch and well, that's the end of your VR experience, right? But, <laughs> right? It's like bump on the head, so not so good. So what this allows people to do, not right now, it's still a bit of a prototype, but it does all the things that it that the real ones will do. Or, this one is real, but a more <laughs> a more refined version will do is to allow people to be in a hollow deck. I have to go a little off brand. Star Trek is not a Disney brand, but I grew up uh, loving the hollow deck 
a place that you go into and you can become anyone and you can be anywhere. And I think we've made that possible at this point. You know, we took, we went to Disneyland for the first time two years ago and we had an incredible time there. And it, it seems to me, I don't know how you feel about it, but you're impacting the lives of millions of people. And I'm talking about the people who are walking into the theme parks and going to the resorts and taking the cruise. Um, that's incredible that, you know, you know, what you do touch the lives of so many people. Do you think yeah. of you know, your, what you've done and your, your experience that way that, you know, you have a legacy that millions of people know or have experienced because of you? Well, um, I'm honored that, that that may be the case. Um, I did have a, a person when I first joined Disney uh, made an interesting uh, comparison between what I used to do where at the telephone company, anything you do is used in a mass, right? I, I design circuitry and stuff that, you know, a million people use or 10 million people because there are a lot of people that use telephones or that sort of thing. Here, I may make one thing that a million people see, right? So it, it, is, it is a little bit of a yin and yang. Um, I think you're right in terms of the fact that the Walt Disney Company and the little bit that I've added to it can influence people around the world. The company is, is taking pains to make sure that we do things that are diverse, that will appeal to larger numbers of people, a wider swath of people. And um, that makes me proud uh, to be at this company. Well, Lanny Smoot, we are so honored, truly honored to have you on our podcast. Just thank you so much. Congratulations again on your induction into the National Inventors Hall of Fame. Uh, and we look forward to hearing more about your, your impact and you know what's next to come for you. Well, you know what I'm looking forward to is Keith Yard and whatever he's gonna be when he gets older. Can I ask him one question? Sure. Yeah, so you mentioned you might wanna go to MIT, you might wanna go to other schools. What, what, what are your final goals? Or what, what are your current goals? It won't be your final goals. What are, you, what are you thinking about being and doing? Well, I'm already doing like this, <clears throat> this robotics club at school. Um, it's like an underwater robotics called Sea Perch. We have to make like our own controllers, our own models. Um, I build a lot of Legos. I especially love like the bigger sets because they're more pieces. This is more for me to do. Um, as far as my goals, um, I, I want to get a job. <clears throat> that's just, that's just, I want to get a job. Hopefully I can get one when I'm like 14. I'll have four years worth of revenue so I can go through college without crippling debt. <laughs> well, right. <laughs> we don't want And that. I also write books so I can sell them to um to these companies, these yeah. publishing houses. Have you bought you've written books? Or you're gonna write books? I've written them already, multiple. Like I wanna buy some. Wow. Send me your address. I'm sending you a check. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, yeah, I promise. So is that is that considered a bribe? Because I'm on your show. No, no, no. Technically, no. No, no. So you, legally, I don't think right. so. You haven't, you know, published any books, but you have no, written stories. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So are, yeah. Are you, you selling have, them? 
when he start when he starts selling them, yes. I'm buying them because that guy is going places. Keith, you are going to be an amazement to the world. Thank you. Yeah, that's wonderful, and that's coming from Lanny Smoot. Okay, so it's true. It's wonderful. You, this is again wonderful to have you on our podcast. Thank you so much. Enjoyed it so much. Yes, and uh, you know I know you're a very busy man, but thank you once again. All right. Thank you.